Just a titbit close. Life is there like a hurricane here in Duckburg. Welcome to the Tales from the Ditch podcast. We are reachable at talesfromtheditch at gmail.com. Better show, uh, 90s Batman or 90s X-Men? Ooh, that's hard. 90s Batman? Uh, like the WB one with the big chin and everything? He says, uh, yeah, I am the darkness, I am yeah. the night, I am vengeance, I think it was something. That was one of the best, but I don't know, man. The X-Men show was so good. Remember you had the Phoenix Saga? Which lasted, I think, like six episodes or something like and that. And then you had Dark Phoenix. You had Apocalypse. Yeah. You had, um, yeah, they did Age of Apocalypse on there. Yeah. You had Bishop and Cable. I think the X-Men show is probably a bigger winner. Because I can't base it on, well, what do I like better? Because I wasn't big into Batman growing up. So I don't base it on that. Because if I go by... Well, what was I more into? Well, I was all about the X-Men, so that's not fair. That means Batman could have been phenomenal, but because I wasn't in that character. But if I look at it, made a show about a character I wasn't even that into, and I liked it. And yeah. that, to me, says something. If you take a character where I'm like, well, I don't really read DC, I'm not huge into Batman, and suddenly I had to watch every episode, I go, oh, it must be good. Then So how much better was it for people who liked Batman? Think of that. Yeah. If we thought... Wow, this is a cool show. Imagine the guys who are Batman fans. Like, they talk about, like, it was just the greatest. It had some good episodes. Yeah, that was a good one. I still think X-Men, though. Yeah, I think X-Men for sure. I'm going to turn you up even more. Are you sure? Because this... <clears throat> just saying. Yeah. Actually, you should get a little closer, maybe. Yeah, that's good. Uh, yeah, X-Men, I think, was just a better show because it had a lot more range. I feel like you went, I mean, you, you did so many stories in that. I'm not saying you didn't do a lot of stories in Batman, but, uh, Batman was, I mean, you had Batman, you'd have Robin. I think you had, no, there was no Nightwing on that Later show. episodes, yeah, once. But on the was, WB one? It was, uh... Like season six, though. Oh, really? And it was for one episode. It- yeah. But pretty much, for the most part, it was Batman. You had a lot of good villains and stuff, and that show was amazing. But I feel like the X-Men show, like, there was episodes where it was just Wolverine. There was episodes where it was just... Gambit. Gambit. Origin doing Gambit story. stuff. Yeah. All of those things. So, And you just went in so many directions with that show. And you have the whole mutant, uh, like second class citizen, um, oppression thing going on, which I thought was a pretty bold and amazing story. And they had some pretty serious stories in the Batman show, but I don't think they ever got that serious. The one that I remember, I actually think might've been Batman beyond, but there was one where Bruce Wayne's and Batman's dog gets stolen or something like that. He's got like a big Rottweiler. Ace. Yeah. Ace. Yeah. And he gets stolen and they put the dog into a fighting ring. They like make the dogs mutants and put them into a fighting ring. And Batman finds those guys and I'm pretty sure he kills them. Like straight up. He says these people don't deserve to live because they're practicing dog fighting. Which, uh. Take notice, Vic. Yeah, exactly. Now it, uh. Batman, I think, got gritty when it came to some of the melancholy stuff. Like, it'd show Mr. Freeze and his wife is, like, frozen. But it didn't get into the social arena, social issues, which I think is fine. I don't think the, I don't think, like, the writers ever meant it to. And that's okay. Not everything has to be a social commentary. I think Batman got way more into, like, yeah, it had some melancholy moments. It had some stuff, like, Bruce is never going to be happy. Right. But I really enjoyed on Batman too the uh Batman being kind of like this lonely um isolated detective. I don't think you ever got to see that in 
um, some of the Batman movies, all of the Batman movies, <laughs> I should say, any movie that Batman has been in, he's never really been that um, detective who's quiet and uh, thinking and discovering and, um, you know, putting crimes to bed by following clues and using deductive reasoning and stuff like that. And I think that's an important part of Batman, but it's never in the movies because it's probably just not as exciting and it doesn't sell as many movie tickets. But I do think it's pretty important. For some reason, they just get rid of that and turn it into, like, uh, gymnast Batman, you know? Gymnast boxer Batman. I thought that was a betrayal to his character. I'll talk. I'm just trying to smoke. Hold on, people. Seth right now is lighting a pipe. Weed is legal in Nevada now. (laughs) (laughs) But what are you smoking there? It's called, uh, how do you say it? Haddo's Delight. I think it's English tobacco. Hmm. Sure, that's not a marijuana name. I don't smoke the devil's lettuce, (laughs) the heathen's herb. I've been talking with somebody who's using it for pain management and like legitimately not a pothead, but they're now that it's legal, they're like, I have all these back problems and the doctors have prescribed me these narcotics and I don't want to do the narcotics. And I'm just curious, like if there's any truth to the weed thing. And, uh, apparently there's all kinds of specific things where it's like the percentages of THC and CBD are targeted for pain relief more than euphoria or something like that. And it's just super funny, like going to the doctor and saying, Hey, I need, uh, I need something for my back pain. Doctor says I need a backyotomy. And, uh, I just killed a spider. And, uh, and the doctor's like, okay, it looks like you have the L3, L4 vertebrae out of alignment and a bulging disc. I'm going to give you three ounces of the cushiest. <laughs> I mean, wouldn't that be funny? The dankiest. <laughs> the <laughs> yeah, the dankest. It's such a weird, strange I, I age we live in. I was told that, um, so here's the difference. I was told that they can determine the strength now. They can give you a certain amount. So... Instead of the past where it was either you're sober or completely high, there can be degrees of it and then doctors measuring it out. I'm totally fine with it for PTSD. I think there's even a place where someone could casually do it, but you'd have to be so careful. Doctor has to measure it out. I'd want to know your motives. I mean, but that's why I'm told. I haven't done it, but I'm told you can have like different strengths, uh, different uh, ways you receive it, like whether liquid or whether through smoking. Yeah, you can eat it. Like, they give you gummy worms in a pill case. Are you sure? <laughs> the gummy worms have the the stuff in it. And apparently, it's like, it's so much different than when we used to smoke weed, Seth. They have oils, and they extract all of these things. And you can get something, and it says it has this much THC and this much CBD. And if you have something that has no THC, then it there's no euphoric effects at all. It's just like a pain reliever or something like that, or a relaxant, a a depressant, I guess. It's super weird. You want the lighter? (laughs) I didn't know there was. (laughs) Um, Here, I had these extra gloves on. My hands are sweaty. (laughs) Yeah, it's so weird. Like, uh, now, seeing what they're doing with it now, it almost does make it more legitimate. The problem with the weed that we smoked when we were kids. Was it was laced with coke or <laughs> was one time? Yeah, sometimes it was laced with coke. One time there was a crack pipe that we had to use to do it. One time there was a whole lot of different bad things, but the the main problem was that it made you gay. I know. I didn't. I wish those studies had come out sooner. Well, let's talk about the elephant in the room. Me, I put on a lot of weight. I am the <laughs> elephant in the room. <laughs> I'm not joking, folks. It's been downhill. I, I've been hitting the gym again, trying to get back in shape. I am the elephant in the room. Oh, yes. You with your pasty gray complexion and the fact that you never forget. I never. <laughs> an elephant who never forgets to kill. <laughs> to kill. All right. Well, I do want. Hey, so question. X-Men 90s. Since we're talking about that, I'm going to force it to happen. Talked about genocide, the Holocaust, so many issues. 
would that show do well again today if they played it for that same age group, seven to ten? Uh, absolutely not. There's, they couldn't, they couldn't get it approved. I don't think it would bring in enough money. I don't think kids would get it. Do you remember watching shows when you were younger and they just didn't appeal to you? You were like, I know I'm supposed to like this, but I don't like Aeon Flux. Remember watching Aeon Flux when you're seven years old and you're like, uh, I think I'm supposed to like this, but I can't follow this and I'm just not interested in it. That show, I was so lost. Yeah. I had been drinking, but I was still so lost. Like, Yeah, do you remember that? I was like, where's the fart jokes and things like that? But X-Men somehow bridged this gap. The the 90s cartoon X-Men bridged this gap where it was deduced down to something where, or reduced down to something that a seven-year-old can understand. But had the drama and seriousness of an of like a more adult themed show. Do you know what I mean? My older brother would watch that, and he was like, he was four years older, but he could enjoy because that show. Yeah, the first episode, Morph dies. Yeah, they have the registration act. Yeah. Magneto gives his speech that as people were slaughtered and he won't let it happen yet, which Magneto was right, by the way. Mm. I think history's proven that he'll be vindicated in the new heaven, new earth. Mm. Amen. I think... Uh, Take that, Stetzer. It would be hard for Disney... Oh, yeah. Because that would be on the Disney Channel. And actually, I'm not saying that Disney sanitizes everything or makes everything family-friendly, because they certainly don't. Uh, if anything, Marvel has gotten darker and better under the ownership of Disney. Uh, I can't say the same for Star Wars. But uh, the... Uh, would you like to give an example on Star Wars? Showing it? No. It's already been done. Uh, showing X-Men like on the Disney Channel next to the Mickey Mouse Club and stuff might be pretty tricky. I don't know if it would work. And also, I'd, I think that this is a blanket statement, and this makes me sound like an old man. Go on. I think that kids uh, need... Ki- the, these kids nowadays... With their... Pants and their rock and roll and their things. Get yeah, off my lawn. Exactly. Their mash pits. <laughs> and the mash pits. Uh, they need, uh, faster paced stories. Um, so for example, you and I watched Boy Meets World and we thought it was one of the greatest shows in the world. I watched Girl Meets World and legitimately have enjoyed Girl Meets World. You know, they canceled it. Yeah, they canceled it. Yeah, thanks. But do you notice how much, how faster paced everything is and how much less time they take to explain each uh, arc in the story. They dragged out Corey and Topanga breaking up like after she broke up with him for eight episodes. Yeah. For eight weeks and for a teenager with breaks, it was probably like three months. I was like, why would you do this to me? This is all I have going on in my life. Yeah. Girl Meets World, they're like, we're introducing this person and they're leaving in the same episode. You know what I mean? It was just a, it's just like a totally different speed of events in a screenplay, I think. So I think X-Men would have to do that, but I don't know how you could faithfully do the 90s X-Men cartoon and still appeal to that ADD. Well, and you, you and I have talked about this as being a generational thing, but I think you have a balanced view on it because everyone says the generation ahead of them sucks. And then yeah. forgets everything about theirs. Cause like my parents might say, man, fifties and sixties, that's where it was at. I was like, Oh, what was it like that for black people in Alabama? And they're like, well, except them. Yeah. And then this generation, they go, they're so selfish. They suck. And I wonder what Maverick's going to say about the generation ahead of them. I want to know what his complaints are going <laughs> to be now, but well, it's weird. They have better, like I, this generation is awesome. Good for them. They have better stuff. It's super weird that we went through thousands and thousands of years of um, kind of like this Western culture. Maybe not thousands of years. Hundreds of years of this Western culture. No, you're right. Thousands of years. America. uh, (laughs) Thousands of years of Christendom. Thousands of years of millennium, according to the post-millennialists. At least 6,000 years of Judeo-Christian development. And maybe 65 million years of evolution. I don't know. Tim Keller, get on this. But either way, like, 
have you noticed, like, we're just now inventing things that could have been invented, like, a hundred years ago? I'd like to point out Demolition Man said we'd already have three seashells by now. Yeah, where's the three seashells? It's, if you look at those movies, they're like, 1997. Yeah. L.A. And, like, everything's on fire. The cops have laser guns. We're in 2018. We're like, look, a car with electricity. We just thought of that. Just yeah. now. And Maybe it still a car doesn't should hover. Have, yeah, it still doesn't hover. It still doesn't hover. They're like, we've had electricity, but we just thought, you know, maybe this would work now. <laughs> yeah. They're like, oh, we're going to build the most technological, most advanced thing in the world is this Hyperloop. And... I'm like, oh, wow, that sounds cool. Does it, like, use wormholes to travel through space? They go, no, it's just a really fast train. What? <laughs> You're just making a faster train? I think Henry Fonda, or not Henry Fonda. Jane Fonda. <laughs> Wait, Henry Ford. <laughs> Henry Fonda. You just kept I going. think Henry Fonda said. Uh, Henry <laughs> Ford said, um, you know, if I would have... If I would have depended on what the customers asked for, I would have just made a faster horse. But instead, oh. I made an automobile because I ignored them and did what was <laughs> best for the world. Uh, and I believe that's true. Where are those people? Here's some examples. My son has a little bike, right? And the bike's called a Strider bike. I like it already. Go ahead. It's a bike. Yeah. It's named after a Lord of the Rings character. And... It's it's basically just a bike with no pedals. Hmm. Right? That's all it is. How's that work? You put you use your feet. It's like a Flintstones bike. You use your feet instead of pedals. And it's two wheels. And it's just no pedals. You just use your feet. And so basically he's just like walking while sitting on the bike. But after three days, he starts like shoving himself and pulling his feet up and balancing. And basically it teaches you to balance. Because the hard part about riding a bike is balance. The hard part's not learning to pedal. Hmm. The hard part is balance. So when you do training wheels, you're just teaching somebody to propel themselves with pedals. You're not actually teaching them to balance, right? And so taking the training wheels off is this big thing. I remember, like, training wheels didn't come off for me until I was six, seven, something like that. Danger can legitimately ride if he's going downhill and doesn't have to put his feet down. He can balance on the bike and ride downhill indefinitely. It's crazy. They just came out with these Strider bikes like in the past five years. And it's a less advanced version of a bicycle. Like, what the heck? They don't know how to teach kids how to ride bikes <laughs> until 2015? What's that about? I know. What's wrong with... Or... uh Danger also has this life jacket thing called the puddle jumper. And it's basically, remember water wings they put around your Yeah, the stuff my parents wouldn't give me, and then they'd make me try to swim anyway. Go ahead. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Those water wings, you put the water wings on, and then you basically have this vest that's also the floaty material, and it's all one piece. And it's way more comfortable than a life jacket. And it's Navy SEAL, or not Navy SEAL, Navy Coast Guard, it's Coast Guard approved, and it's comfortable, and it's something the kids can swim in. They can, like, move their arms and stuff. Unlike the other life jackets that kids refuse to wear because they're so uncomfortable, they just came out with those things. And they're a simpler version. It doesn't make sense, man. The scientists out there, I just want to say this. Scientists, you're not doing your job. You guys are failing. We should have hover cars and jetpacks by now. You guys suck. Get it together. I'm paying your salary, damn it. <laughs> do you notice how they treat people who say we can do something differently, too? Because, um, oh, this will, I see a segue here. Um, mm. So, Elon Musk says, I'm going to send a spaceship without the government. And everyone's like, you can't do that. Only the government can do that. It won't right. work. Why do we have such faith that the government is the only ones who can have space programs like they've handled it perfectly right. and all, and never had a launch go wrong. And it really gets into statism, this idea of they know best. They're the only ones capable, only ones organized enough. Really? We think the government, you can't on one hand complain about how inefficient the government is and then say, well, they're the only ones that can do this. No, if you have ingenuity. Yeah. I wish we had a, 
we supported guys like that more. I'm not saying he's a great guy of character, but like supported people who dreamed. I mean, yeah, people have good ideas. Like the guy who invented the Strider bike. Here's another one: drones. Oh, you mean a uh, thing with four propellers on the corners of it? Yeah, you couldn't have come out with that in 1935, dude. Why do we? Uh, maybe it's the accelerometer. They were waiting for that. I don't know. I think it really does come down to, um, cause you see this in education too. I've seen this. Uh, Anthony Bradley talked about, it. we used to have the spirit of ingenuity. And then we said, no, the government knows better. And then education, we said, well, how about we do what's best for each kid and do this? No, no, no. Let's jam them all in a new classroom. Let's do this. <clears throat> and you know what? I'm not, I know I have an anti authority lean, but like, we have such a faith that the government does everything right. Unless it's someone from the other party, then they do everything wrong. And it's so weird to see people go, stupid government messing everything up, but then have such faith in it. In the other hand, they, I mean, yeah. it's the same thing. I want, you know, the streets to be safe. But they have this idea like, man, I'm going to call 911 cops there in 20 seconds. No, they are not. That is not the average response time. I have a security system and a gun. And you know, and you know why my security system is there? Actually, I've told people this. It's because I'm pro-life. It's actually not just for my family. It's for the burglar. I'm hoping it scares them away so I don't have to hurt them. Right. I really am. Like, it's for my family, them too. But partially, I'm hoping if it's some dumb kid, I mean, I'm not talking about some PCP guy coming to eat my face or something, you know, bath salts or whatever. I'm hoping he gets scared away by the alarm and leaves so I don't have to hurt I want to shoot a guy in the face in front of my son. Yeah. I want him to come out because it. you can't take that when you take life. But that, once again, goes back to police, and this isn't against police. This goes back to a whole thing of, I have such a trust in the system, they'll do what's right. And I go, I I don't know. Maybe I get this. I see Jesus as being a little more leaning, not so pro-imperialist. I see him going mm. the opposite way. And we have such a trust in the system that it can't go wrong. Because, well, why'd they pass this law? Well, it's for our own good. I hate hearing that. Hmm. For our own good. I go, no, no, no. I know that God puts governments in place for a reason, but it just, I do not get, hey, well, let me tell a tale real quick. I picked one. And oh, then yeah, I'm going to ask, turn. and then I'm going to put Sean in the hot seat. Hot seat, y'all. <laughs> Seth is taking, <laughs> Seth is taking the wheel. Um, so on Sean's 18th birthday, we really liked Wild Waters. So we decided, so we decided to go there after hours when it wasn't open. It was, uh, my birthday's in November, so it was seasonally not open. Yeah, okay, yeah, so it wouldn't have been there anyway. Um, and we brought our skateboards, and you used to have a hole in the fence, right? Kind of. It was like a- Did we, we make dug, that hole? We dug, I mean, <laughs> there was a hole that was dug under the yeah, fence. Right. The yeah, right. I gotcha. I'm winking at Sean right now, because why he's Um, we were gonna go down the slides. I remember it was kind of like, what do you call it in, uh, Olympics street Lo luge? losing. Yeah, yeah. Lose. We were going to go down, but I was so nervous because it was dark. So I kept breaking like every 30 yards, but yeah. they had chains on other areas. And then I think, who was it? It was you, me and I rhymes with Mosh, Moshua. Yeah. Moshua. Mean. Mean. He, uh, we got in there and I remember we spent some of the time I was nervous. So I kept arguing about, did you hear something? And then who was it? The custodian came in. Somebody. He's all, I got a flashlight. We're like, it's, it's getting too hot. <laughs> I hit, I, we gotta get out of here. But we went down some of the slides. I think it was the smaller ones. The one we wanted to go down, the big half pipe they had had chain, but you still tried. I think the only one, and this is one of the few regrets I have in my life. I didn't go down the Black Widow because I was worried about being crippled. I yeah, no, that, well, and it was good we didn't because remember at, on the Black Widow, there was like caution tape across it at oh, the top because yeah. we we climbed up there that's right and uh and none of us had the cojones to do it I so we were so just nervous. like all right and I, one somebody slid down the viper with no skateboard because you would have died on a skateboard on that yeah but anyways we got to the bottom and there was a section of the black widow missing so Dude. if anybody did do that, they would have been dead. So I'm really glad that we the, did it. The Viper, too, hands. whoever it was went down the slide, said, do not go down the skateboard. You would have hit that 
spot, you would have flipped yeah, off. Yeah. And no one was there, and we didn't have phones. So someone would have had to have walked to find a phone and call. Right. That would have been so... All right. He got burns when he went down the Viper, remember, oh, that's on his right. back. Oh, and Wild... All right, so some of you might... I think you should. If you're listening to this, you probably live in... Wild Waters is a park with uh, water slides, everything, and they were dry. They were... Yeah, none of them still had water, right? Yeah, it was yeah, winter it was shut time. down, but... The pools in the bottom had water in them still. Oh, gosh. And I wasn't a good skateboarder. I remember we broke in, though, and... Well, I mean, we got in and went down the slide. We went down a few of the slides, and I think it was more for a story, just to say we got in Wild Waters, but... Yeah, we did that a few times. Well, and that was the worst crime I'd committed at that point. So, to me, that was a huge... But it was only the beginning <laughs> <laughs> for my reign of terror. <laughs> But yeah, yeah it was, was a good time. it was like uh I do remember that being like we're gonna go out and do something on the fringes of legality, but also that's a good term that are dangerous. Statue limitations, y'all. And that was uh and I thought that was okay because we were just we were like, hey, we want to have fun, we want to be able to experience something adventurous, we want to be able to say we were brave. And that was okay. At some point after that, I think the crimes were less about fun and adventure and more about financial gain and uh, jocking. I had a rough patch there. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I, anyway. Um, I still right. have a tape somewhere. Of what? Of Wild Waters. Yeah, you need to. Evidence. There's a statute of limitations, though, and that is up. Don't you ever roll on me, Sean. <laughs> all right. I've made it too far. Um, all right. Serious question. In the era of Trump is, and you know, and Russell Moore's talked about this. All these guys have talked about American evangelicalism. Um, I have no doubt that God's church will continue, but... American evangelicalism, as it stands, uh, you know, Republican Party, religious right, you know, you ha- have to vote this way, think this way, even how sometimes we respond to people, and I'm not talking about Rob Bell, but people with slightly um, not the accepted theology, you know, like Tim Keller talks about theistic evolution and people got on him, mm-hmm. you know, people bring up a different view, like, I, I don't have to do this for a flag, or, you know, I don't need to do this for the pledge, you know, there's just a lot with it. Is American evangelicalism as it stands, is it going to survive? Um, or, you know, is it, is it going to fall apart? Are we seeing it? This is what it's going to crush, you know, next generation. It's going to die, at least as we know it. And B, if it does die, should it? Mm. Well, sponsored by Monumental by Kirk Cameron, which <laughs> Tyler Macaluso recommended tyler you're whack that we was got, not a great film seth and i got about six minutes into it <laughs> and we were like we've seen enough it had it's all here's some crazy rock music and he's like the country's going down country's going to hell my kids have to live here mm. and when i was a kid it wasn't this bad it just which honestly disproves any post-millennialism <laughs> kirk cameron may have but okay to answer your question i this is hard for me because I'm less uh, politicker than you, but I accept that. I uh, I'm in politicking. So. <laughs> I, <laughs> I will politic the crap out of this podcast. Uh, science. I said science again. Second question first. I should think it die. The current state of what. You and I both understand we're referring to when we talk about American Yeah, not Eastern Orthodox. I'm not talking about, you know, Episcopal, American evangelicalism, not mainline, not... I think that should die. Okay. And I'll tell you why, answering the first question, um, it has morphed into, it's maybe halfway into the transformation or maybe a little more into this long, slow, kind of hidden, pernicious change into... Uh, being less about Christ and more about comfort. Mm. And that sounds, I think, really offensive probably to those people or anybody else. But hear me out. I think that when I hear the talking points, 
from most of the, and I'm saying pastors or ambassadors of churches, when I hear their political talking points, it is completely centered around comfort. Hmm. We need to build a wall. Why do we need to build a wall to keep Mexicans out? Why do we want to keep Mexicans out? Because they're taking our, you could say jobs, you could say welfare, you could say whatever. But what they're saying is they're taking our comfort. Hmm. If that's even true. And I don't even think that's true. I think that's actually a displaced, incorrect fact that a lot of people assume is true. Um, But I got to tell you, I live, we live in Northern Nevada. I've, I've yet to meet a lazy welfare abusing Mexican. Not no. in Northern Nevada. I met some whites who are. I've met a lot of whites who are. It's uh, it's a myth to me. Maybe it exists somewhere else, but here, all the Mexican guys I know are getting up earlier than me, going to bed later than me, working harder than me, getting paid less than me. Yeah. How is that a threat to me? But maybe, either way, I'm saying that's not true. But if it was true, that's what I hear the evangelical talking points are, or you know, besides like border closing and not letting refugees, refugees in and all of these things, one. those are all based on maintaining the comfort that we have in the United States. Other things such as um, gay marriage and <laughs> probably get emails about this. No, that's fine. But gay marriage has never been something that bothered me. Hmm. Um I think maybe I've tried to convince myself that I was supposed to be against gay marriage Mm -hmm. because it violates um, the sanctity of marriage. But as I've grown up, you know who violated the sanctity of marriage first? Heterosexual couples. Uh, White people. Uh, People who get a divorce just because they're not getting along or people who get a divorce because um, they're unwilling to work it out and they don't want to fight for it. And I'm not saying that there's no reason to get a divorce, but I am saying that I think that more than half of the divorces are unnecessary. And would you now, here's the thing they're going to say. They're going to say, you're saying that because you don't care about scripture, but I don't think that, I don't think it's because you look at scripture and go, Oh no, I don't care what scripture says about sexuality. I think you're aware of that, but you go, no, I just don't think it's a downfall of Western civilization. Like some people think, because I think the assumption is if you say that they've said, if you are a hundred percent, and I'll give my perspective, if you are a hundred percent against gay marriage, you care about scripture and sexuality of in the Bible, you know, man and woman, it says that, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. If you are okay with gay marriage being legal, there can be no other reason other than you don't care about scripture, you know, um, you don't care about what talks about sexuality in the Bible versus, no, I've met some people, and, and you can chime in on this, but I've met people who say, um, I don't care about gay marriage, not because I ignore what the Bible says about sexuality, but they're like libertarian or independent or Anabaptist. They go, no, I just don't think legally we should even be involved here. I don't think the government should even be involved in marriage. I don't think we should legislate this. And they have all these reasons that you may disagree with, but none of them are that they don't care about scripture or they don't believe what it says about sexuality. I mean, I am I correct? Like you, you know about the Bible and sexuality, but you yes. just don't care about legally like restricting it or... Yes, I agree with what the Bible's stance uh, is. Um, I believe through the most literal interpretation that the original audience would have understood. I totally understand that and agree with that. Um, but we're talking about marriage. We're not talking about the act of homosexuality. Yeah, we're talking about marriage, and when and when it comes to Gay marriage specifically, the Bible doesn't have a lot to say other than in the contrast, it says what a marriage is defined mm-hmm. by the Bible. But that's the thing is the American evangelical position, according to me, would be this is his opinion, don't you just talk? Would be that uh, a marriage is something that we're defining a marriage as something that the government is. Um, putting a stamp on as mm-hmm. being recognized because it has turned into this argument about, well, if you're married, you have more rights to your spouse and medical things and, and money and this and that so on, than, yeah. than you do. Uh, and 
I don't recognize what the government does. Like, I was so nervous because I've married or I've performed weddings for people. Yeah. And uh, been the person who officiated a marriage. Mm-hmm. And I was so nervous I was going to mess it up because uh, I was yeah. like, oh, man, if I don't fill out this form right and they're not officially married, yeah. I just told them to go consummate their marriage. And yeah. all of a sudden, they're going to burn in hell because I messed up filling out a form. I think that's completely ridiculous. Yeah. I don't think being, I don't think there's this state of being married in God's eyes that you declare, you know what I mean? I think the church has to be, uh, the main officiator. Clearly, I just care that's clergyman. covenantal. If you have a covenant before God, you're married, whether it's legal or not. It's, yeah, exactly. Um, whether or not the U.S. government recognizes it or not. Yeah. And so allowing gay people to say that they're married, um, it does not really concern me. It certainly is so low on the spectrum of things that do concern me mm-hmm. that it's not a big deal. And that, I think, these talking points, when people, when the uh, common people that you see in the media representing American evangelical Christianity mm-hmm. say stuff, they say, well, this is going to ruin the sanctity of marriage. It'll lead to bestiality. It'll, lead to- It'll degrade what marriage means in this country. No, it won't. Marriage doesn't mean anything in this country. Yeah. And that has nothing to do. Before there was ever any consideration of gay people getting married, marriage was already a joke. Mm. And the people who fight the hardest against gay marriage, I'm telling you, like, there's people who are vehemently opposed in, uh, there may be senators or there just may be political people, let's say, and they're so against gay marriage and, and you can tell there's this, this underlying rage and hatred. And then it's like only a few months before they catch him in an airport bathroom yeah, blowing bath. a dude. Yeah. And like the thing is, what the heck? Why were you so, why did you have that hate and rage and everything? That's a guilty conscience. Yeah. That's, uh, that's exactly the type of reaction I have to sin when I'm dealing with sin and I'm trying to hide it. Uh, that's exactly the reaction. But their entire position on gay marriage was based out of the fact that they're being uh, manipulative and secretive. Hmm. So I don't. I think that actually takes away all of the validity to their argument. I, I think that so there's so to catch you guys. So just listen because you're wait. I know you guys listen <laughs> to what they're looking for as qualifiers to see. All right, do, uh, are they Christian? Are they on our side? There's a few positions I've seen, and I'm not including people who just throw out scripture and say, well, God doesn't talk about sexuality because he does. I'm talking about generally people who really go, no, the, the Bible is an authority. I think, you know, I think it's had the same view on sexuality. The views I've seen, and, and I'm trying to be fair to them all, is either A, people say, I think it's sinful and I don't want to support it. I don't think it's best for society. I'm not saying they're bad people on them. There's another view, kind of some Anabaptist view of, I'm not going to get involved in politics anyway. I don't even want to take a position. Um, there's some people who are more like, yeah, I know what the Bible says, but why is the government even involved in marriage? Why do we even care what the government affirms or doesn't? You know, they don't care about the slippery slope arguments, stuff like that. Um, they, they don't, you know, some C.S. Lewis had a view where he talked about, he says, you know, if these people want to have this standard and we have theirs, fine. You know, as long as we, the church, uphold the correct standard, who cares what they're doing or, you know, enforcing our standard on... It was almost like if the government says it's fine, doesn't mean we'll affirm it. And I've seen, I don't know, I've seen lately at least, people don't take their morals from what the government affirms. It seems the culture approves of something. The government catches on that, okay, this is the way the wind is blowing. And they just affirm it and support it even more. And that kind of gets recognized legally. But that means by the time it's recognized legally, it was already supported in the culture. And and I'll say this to go all right to go back a little bit. I think there might have been good motives with people, um, not necessarily the ones who starred the moral majority, but some of the people who followed it. Of I want to vote biblical. I want to do what's best for the country. I want to vote what's going to help. Um, and voting to me. You can or can't. I believe there's liberty there. You can choose to vote, choose not to. Uh, being politically engaged, you can or can't. I believe that's another Christian liberty. I think the way it went wrong was it took things that weren't necessarily evil in them themselves 
but gave them too much authority where it was, all right, we were putting all our eggs in one basket that the way we're going to change the world is political influence, political power, legislation, uh, passing it. Um, we want this Christian culture. Um, it was a huge focus on demand of my personal rights, huge focus on the Constitution, huge focus on American national cultural views, and it became less about a kingdom, more about a nation, because you even bring up, all right, I don't think there's anything wrong with saying, oh, I want to stop terrorists. Fine. But I don't see where it brings up refugees. It's saying, take in refugees if this, this, and this is in place. I see it say, do it. Now, we can use the sermon, but I don't see it say, oh, unless it's not safe. And I see it say, oh, take in, you know, the immigrant, you know, the sojourner. But I don't see it say, oh, as long as you have this, this, and this, and they follow the proper things. And that's not saying we support breaking the law, that we don't care about that. But here, here's a perfect example. See, there's always nuances to look at from, you know, how do we view us as a kingdom representative? If the church is an embassy and I'm an ambassador, how do I come into it like that as not a Republican, Democrat, or American, but come into a culture in these discussions as an ambassador of a separate, as a, you know, greater kingdom that's crashing in, um, that I'm of this world. And I'm not talking two kingdom stuff, but how do you come in and discuss that way instead of, you know, talking like an American who happens to be Christian because in some of these discussions, um, it is very much focused on, well, my rights, well, they shouldn't do this. Well, what about this? And, and I hear a lot of American, I hear a lot of culture, I hear a lot of things dipped in there and then sprinkled with some verses because when I brought refugees, it's, well, but this can happen and this happen. And it's always pragmatic arguments in these fears. But I don't see a justification for, okay, but why aren't you following what it says? Right. I, I don't think we have to give up security. And by the way, we do have security. We do have a vetting process. Some people say, well, it's not enough. Okay, well, give me a standard then when it's enough to go in. And meanwhile, Christian refugees are dying. And if you say they can't come over till this is in place, you are saying till it's safe enough, I'm not going to do what is commanded of me. And then their safety is taking priority over their lives. Then you're saying your safety matters more over Christian lives because there are Christian refugees too. But I just see a lot of culture, a lot of bill right, law constitution in there, law of the founding fathers. You know, I demand this and this. And I see a New Testament where people lay down their rights. I see them going beyond national borders. I see them saying, uh, "We do this regardless." And by the way, the Bible is not pragmatic to me. So many of the commands are not practical. It's not practical for me. To, give away money or help the stranger or, or seriously to, to show respect to someone in authority who's, you know, not necessarily the greatest guy. I just, and I think there is a level of comfort. I think it's, we felt like we had a Christian culture in the fifties and sixties. And then when it starts slipping away and it wasn't really, but we thought that it's like, well, I want to keep that. I want to hold on to it. And it almost seems like, okay, you want to have an American country where you can be a Christian, but not have to suffer like one. And it's almost like you can eat your cake and have it too. It's like, well, I can follow Jesus, but not really have this. And not everyone who votes that way is thinking this way. But the people who take it to extreme in an idolatrous view of just so much like God and country, God and country, I think it does get to a point where I'm like, you are so American focused when it's a universal church. And if you go other countries, some of them are scratching their heads saying, why do you guys think like this? They're just, I... I mean, I just want to clarify. And here's the thing. Sean should be able to say his view. Yeah. And guys. have, and have a discussion where you say, okay, well, he seems to think who cares politically? What about this? And have a discussion versus assuming the worst of assuming, oh, he doesn't care about scripture. He doesn't care about this. He wants to, you know, have the Muslims come in and destroy us. It just, there, there's no room for talk. I think it should die and I think it will. And I think it deserves to. Yeah. To my and so that being said, uh, I think it will die because it will start to be called what it actually is. Am I making sense? Is that You're making okay. total sense. And thank you for defending me. <laughs> uh, I think it will die because it will cease to exist because people will start calling it what it is. And they'll say, this isn't evangelicalism. This is Bill O'Reillyism. This isn't Christianity. This is uh, corporate Christianity, or this isn't. Um, it's Americanism, is yeah. Yeah, it's nationalism or whatever. I just want to say too. Uh, I think scripturally, this is important, and this touches on many issues. This is 
Can I just read a long chunk of scripture? Yeah. Is that all right? This is where he'll frustrate other people. Yeah, sorry. No, go ahead. This is from 1 Thessalonians. It's chapter 4. I'm going to start in verse 3. It's not that long. Stand for the reading of God's word. And this is actually, yeah, please stand for the reading of the word. This is C.S. Lewis Bible. So this is the NRSV. We usually read out of the elect standard version, but this is the (laughs) uh, European elect standard version. It says this, it says, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from fornication, that each one of you know how to control your own body in holiness and honor, not with lustful passion like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one wrong or exploit a brother or sister in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger in all these things, just as we have already told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. So he does not say, we implore you, this is the will of God, we implore you to seek to legislate this standard of Christianity in the land. He just says, don't participate in it hmm. so far. Uh, this is the Apostle Paul. He goes on to say, for God did not call us to impurity, but holiness, which I agree with. Therefore, whoever rejects this rejects not human authority, but God, who also gives his Holy Spirit to you. Totally agree with that. Now concerning love of the brothers and sisters, you do not need to have anyone write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. And indeed, you do love all the brothers and sisters throughout Macedonia. But, this is where it gets good, we urge you, beloved, to do so more and more, to aspire to live quietly and mind your own affairs, so that you may behave or, I'm sorry, and to work with your hands as we directed you so that you may behave properly towards outsiders and be dependent on no one. So when he says live quietly and mind your own affairs, in another version it says mind your business, and Mm -hmm. in another version it says don't be a busybody, I feel like, uh, by extension, I feel like all uh, New Testament believers are uh, being told to do likewise by Paul in this. I think living quiet, I'm not like a lot of people will say that I'm calling people to live this life of Christian suffering. And just if there are terrorists, we just have to like accept all refugees and allow them to destroy the country because blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, because they suffered so much under Nero, I think we should all suffer the same. And mm-hmm. until we're suffering totally, we're not actually being Christians. I'm not saying that. I'm saying no. live quietly and mind your business. Yeah. It's not your business, so mind it. And this is how, Paul says, this is how we're supposed to represent ourselves to outsiders, people who are non-believers, people who are considered Gentiles. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's how we're supposed to, by living quietly and minding your business. That doesn't sound like American evangelicalism. And I'm not saying that we have no responsibility to do our best to hope and take action to make society mm. a better place that lines up more with the role of God. Um, but I think we do have to find a balance in doing that while living this quiet, simple life and minding our business. However that balance is, yeah. I can't tell you the answer to that. Michael Bird had a good view of, you know, having a reasonable duality of realizing like, yeah, I'm a kingdom person, but I do live here and this is the time and it's not the new heaven, new earth, not yet. And, and I do get the argument, like, um, you know, different pastors I've talked to say, well, when I vote, I really am just thinking, and it gets this simple and I'm fine with it. I, I'm nothing instant because I, yeah, I have lots of views on this, but they say when I vote, all I'm doing is literally thinking, what do I think is best for a country? Right. They're just thinking, what's best for society? What's right. going to do us? And they pray and see, okay, scripture says this. And they just make a um, very core, and it's not stupid, but just a simple, basic uh, premise of, okay, I don't feel this is best, so I vote against it. Right. And I have nothing against that. My issue is when someone like Sean, someone like Keller, um, all right, Keller, perfect example. They asked him, they said, can you be saved and be okay with gay marriage being legal? That's what they asked. Not should you. They said, can you be saved? 
Keller said, yeah, you can be saved and not care if, you know, gay marriage is legal. And they jumped on him and he had to clarify because all these people get mad. And he said, I didn't say you need to go out and affirm every sexuality, everything we do. He said, you asked me, can someone be saved and think that? Uh, the Puritans were saved and they had stupid ideas on slavery. Uh, there was Christians who had views I thought that were terrible on abortion back in the day. Right. I think they were saved because yeah, we're not saved based on if we have the right political idea or, you know, all this. Sean should be able to and Keller say, yeah, I, I think you can do it. And they still affirmed it. Keller still knows what the Bible says about sexual. Of course he knows. He's not a heretic. He's not someone who just goes off the handle. And and that was all he answered. But people got so mad because, well, you have to have this view. And it's like, I think as long as everyone can come to the table and say, hey, look, we all know what scripture says. We all accept Jesus as a way. We all say, you know, um, we affirm the creeds. We affirm this. We affirm mm-hmm. there's one way. Fine. Then you can get into bits of, okay, what about this? Because like even the question of, well, do I have to vote? I know so many people who go, if you don't vote, gosh, do you even love God? Right. Whoa, hold right. on. No, it, there's lots of things. You can say, I do vote. I don't. You can say, I vote sometimes. You can say, I'm part of a political party. I'm not part of a political party. These are things where we need to look at liberty and I think we need to be careful something. Anthony Bradley said this so good. Don't hear what I'm not saying. When Sean says, well, I don't want, I don't think we should legislate vice here or say this has to be, why, why does that matter? I don't care. We go, Oh, you're saying this, this, and this. No, it says to assume that love like hopes. Love doesn't assume the worst. And this is your brother and I'm your brother. And just, there's no discuss. This is why. Um, and I'm not, I don't agree with her on so many things. Rachel Held Evans, I feel like a lot of the time, is a reaction to this. Mm. I think she does it poorly. I think her exit is not that good. But she's a reactionist fundamentalism, and she went to other. And I appreciate her heart of, we should be able to talk through stuff. But I think her reactionary and, you know, because it's personal for her, it's gone off the deep. Or sometimes she just translates stuff, and I go, no, 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 no. But I get it. She, guess what? You create her. She is a reaction to that stuff. A lot of her views of when she went to church, I guarantee, and said, hey, what do you guys think about this with voting? Do I have to vote this way? Right. Someone told her to shut up. Yeah. And and then her blog was born like five years later. Because I guarantee she went, okay, that's how it's going to be. And she left, went to a church that would answer it. And, and you have guys on both sides. I'm telling you, I've heard guys on the left who can be just as wacky. They can yeah. have just, oh, absolutely. I've heard stuff where I go, come on, man. Like just uh, the reason show your I hand. pick on guys on the right is <sighs> I was led to believe that we trust in God. It's on the dollar bill and that this is a Christian nation and our founding fathers, blah, 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 Christianity. And so when people on the right do things that are embarrassments and shameful, I pick on them a little more because they are, whether they want to or not representing what I thought was supposed to be uh, this Christian institution. They are more associated with Christianity. It is more associated and with the right. And so yeah. when somebody on the left screws up, I go, oh, yeah, I kind of figured those dirty, dirty hippies. Of course they're <laughs> going to do that. When somebody on the right does it and on the same show or interview or the next day talks about how they're a Christian and they represent the God of the Bible, I'm much more offended. Absolutely more offended. When Ben mm. Affleck like gropes a girl in 1997 or something like that. And it's all crazy because of the me too stuff. Mm. I go, that's terrible. And that shouldn't happen. Things like that shouldn't happen. But I don't really expect a lot more from that. Mm. When Harvey Weinstein does, it, I go, I don't really expect a lot more. That's the sexual culture. But when Roy Moore thinks that he can represent God and at the same time do that, I'm going to give him a harder time. I'm yeah. not saying there's more problems on the right or the left. I'm just saying I'm going to give the right a harder time because they deserve it and because yeah. they can suck it up and take it because they are in the position where they can do that. And I just got to say this, too. And I, Gay marriage, again, is so <laughs> unimportant to me to talk about. But I just want to say, like, Tyler, last week when we had Tyler on, said that he voted that um, weed should be legal. Yeah, marijuana. Because it... That the government has no place in legislating that. 
That's it's not the government's job to prevent sin. And he hates scripture. Tyler hates scripture. <laughs> doesn't care about inerrancy. Doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. He's he hates the Puritans. Really dislikes uh, good theologians. Not reformed. We're at being all. sarcastic. Just so you know, he loves the Bible. But... Yeah. Tyler's probably read the Bible uh, more than I've read the Chronicles of Narnia. What time are we at? We're at fifty. So we're good. Let me know when you want to go part two. I'm fine. Okay, we'll do that. Oh, let me finish this part. Yeah, we'll go go to part two. Um, If we're saying the government should have no, and I agree with Tyler, and I think that is a pretty good perspective. If we're saying the government should have nothing to do uh, with the regulation of marijuana, I also think in the same way the government should have nothing to do with the regulation of sin Hmm. in any aspect, including homosexuality. If a church... Um, is going to be the one who manages who's married and who's not. And so like you always see this, um, uh, thing with gay marriages where they're like going to a judge really quick before somebody overturns the law. You remember that happened in San Francisco? Yeah. Like everybody got married and then they overturned it and they said, you're not married anymore. I'd be like, are you kidding me? Like, you can't even decide what a law is for more than a month? Yeah. Get out of here. And so why do we even care what the government says about it? If a church is going to recognize a marriage, which the church would say, we are the authority on, well, we'd say that God is the authority on marriage, and we recognize this covenant in front of other people, then why does it matter what happens? Like, why is the Christian so frustrated that somebody in the same city as them can get married uh, with a same-sex marriage and not also frustrated that a cannibal is getting married and going to eat his his new bride in another country somewhere else. Like, it's the same, it's the same humanity. Yeah. Like, they're so frustrated, and that's why I'm saying it's about comfort. And I'm not even saying it's about comfort that somehow homosexual marriages are going to destroy marriage and it's going to make it hard for Christians. I don't even think that. You know what's hard? Is when you know or talk to or have a neighbor maybe who's gay, a married gay person. And you all of a sudden have to have a discussion with them because it's so much easier to hide behind what the law has already done. Yeah. You can hide behind it and say, well, they can't be married because uh, the law said that. And now I don't have to have this awkward thing where I create a relationship with them or talk to them or even the more intense people talk. Yes. Right. The more intense people would even sit, hide behind, I feel like, um, like slurs and stuff. Yeah. Like it's so much easier to be like, oh, get out of my neighborhood, you f***s. It's so much e- easier to do that than yeah. to actually go to somebody and talk to them and say, hey, man, I want to talk about this and I want to learn about you and I want you to learn about me and I want you to see my perspective mm-hmm. and I want to see your perspective and I'm hoping that you will like come to my side of the fence. That's difficult. That makes it uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And I feel like American evangelicalism, for the most part, um, hides behind that because they want it to be a more comfortable thing where the government and the church does the work for them and they don't have to personally invest anything. That's the type of comfort I'm saying they're protecting. Yeah. And that's why I think it needs to die because it's not actual evangelicalism and it's I don't think it's Christianity either. I think the Bible shows the government as a sword. Uh, it's put there as by God. And yes, I know all sin is evil, but I think government is supposed to be there not to manage the vices or sins of people, but to punish legitimate when people cause evil, do things to bring forth evil. You know, you have murder. They do things to destroy the Imago Dei or stop human flourishing. Like, I think that's when it comes forward because if it really is the government's job to manage or to punish every type of sin, mm, yeah, we need to make sin. I mean, we need to make sex when you're not married. You need to get arrested, right? Um, you need to get fined um, for getting drunk in your home because it doesn't matter if you're not in public. You're getting drunk. That's a sin. Yeah, we should have SWAT team busting in when they're baptizing babies. <laughs> I knew stopping you were that. Just, stopping that. I from knew you were going to something. It just because I see it as a sword, and yeah, some of this I'm not 
100% sure on where I always land because I think you need to discuss it and think through it and pray. And I don't think it works with sound bites, but it just, yeah, we need to have a discussion where we start with scripture. We look at church history, all this versus, you know, these pragmatic arguments or these worst case scenarios of, Oh, like, like John Mulaney brought up. He says, I don't know if I support the death penalty. He goes, Oh, what? So if you saw Hitler walking down the street, you wouldn't <laughs> yeah. and you go, that's, that's not, not what, what I, I said. <laughs> it's, it's these notice. There's no thing of, okay, well, walk me through why you don't. And scripture, because yeah. I want to hear more. I'd be more impressed. And I have seen guys do this. Like Russell Moore's done. Even when it was a position I disagreed with, he scripturally walked you through his argument, right. brought church history where I went, man, there's actually a precedent. I'm like, I don't know. That's a pretty good argument. And they need to not hear what you're saying. Can That's just that? my opinion. Um, we can discuss it during the break. Sponsored by. Yeah. So sponsored. Go ahead. Who are we sponsored by <laughs> today? John MacArthur. He endorses this podcast and all said between it. Um, Thanks for John, your support, John. John MacArthur's new book, Stranger Fire, The Strangening, coming out in April uh, to celebrate 2000 years of charismatic uh, apostleship. I love Stranger Fire so much. I can't wait for Stranger Fire 2 to come Stranger out. Stranger Fire 2. Where the monster is bigger this time. Will Eleven <laughs> figure out the Apostles' Creed? Yeah. Or will she go Eastern Orthodox and... No. I'm not, I'm not even... So that's know, it what for I part one yeah, part of one. Seth and Sean solo again. Have a lovely January. Goodbye. Goodbye.